Parshas Pekudei, the Torah Nation. Vayi b'chodesh harishon b'shana hashenit be'echad la'chodesh who kama mishkan. The greatest day in the history of the world had finally arrived. On the first day of Nisan, the dwelling place for Hashem was established, and the presence of Hashem would now rest among His chosen people. The Mishkan was now going to be the place for the revelation of Hashem in this world, the fulfillment of Hashem's promise. Vishachanti bitocham, and I will dwell among them. Shemos. And what was the first thing that Moshe did? After spreading the roof over the Mishkan, he set up the Kodesh Kodashim, the holiest space on the face of this earth, the room where the presence of Hashem would dwell most intensely. Now, if you would have asked me, what would I have set up in that room where Hashem would now reside? So with my little head, I would say, a throne, a big, beautiful, golden throne, something resplendent and ornate, placed in the middle of the Kodesh Kodashim. And that would symbolize the Kisei HaKovod, the place where Hashem rests His presence in this world. Nothing doing, said HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I have other plans for my room, for the Kodesh Kodashim. Hashem commanded that into this holiest part of the Mishkan, the room that symbolized His place in this world, should be placed the two stone tablets engraved by the hand of Hashem. And afterward, the Torah itself would be put alongside the Luchos, Devarim. And that's what David HaMelech said in Tehillim. Hashem Bam. Hashem has settled among the Am Yisrael. And how did he do that? Sinai Bakodesh. Because Har Sinai is now in the Mishkan. That great day of the giving of the Torah at Har Sinai is now found in the Kodesh Kodashim. The sanctuary was the heart of the nation, and it was the word of Hashem, the stone luchos, and the Torah that were at the heart of the Mishkan. What we're learning here is that preparing a home for Hashem to live among us really meant preparing a home for the Torah to reside among us. And the Mishkan, in its entirety, was actually an altar of devotion to the word of Hashem. And so instead of a throne for Hashem to rest His presence on, the revelation of Hashem in this world came by means of His Torah. And the Am Yisrael in the Midbar lived according to that revelation. I'll explain that. Because really, we have to ask ourselves, what were the Am Yisrael doing in the Midbar for 40 years after all? They ate what fell from the clouds. They didn't have to go to the factory to get a paycheck. And so we have to understand that for 40 years, they had nothing to do except to study Torah. The entire nation actually became one big yeshiva. And it was a yeshiva where they studied day and night. They didn't have newspapers to read or radio to listen to. And even if they would have been able to get their hands on something... Let's say a Ben Yisrael would try to pick up a newspaper from a neighboring tribe, from Midian. You couldn't get away with such a thing in the Machane Yisrael. You were in a kolel, and every kolel has a mashkiach. And this kolel in the Midbar had more supervision than any kolel since then. Every nine men had a mashkiach who watched them. The Sar Asora, and so they had to behave. And every 49 men had a super mashkiach. The Sar Chamishim. Every 99 men had a super, super mashkiach, the Sar Meya. And every 999 had a super, 
super, super mashkiach. That was the Sare Alafim. You couldn't sneak anything past this army of mashkichim. And Moshe Rabbeinu, with his watchful eyes, was overseeing the whole thing, the whole yeshiva samidbar. But the mashkichim didn't have a very difficult job because they were serious younger light in that yeshiva. Never in any subsequent error was the Torah so supreme and so studied as under the 40-year rule of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah teacher par excellence. You should speak in the words of Torah when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you arise. Devarim. This wasn't merely a pasuk, a mitzvah, or even an aspiration to yearn for. It was their way of life. The sole occupation for the Dor HaMidbar was Torah study. The Midbar was actually a 40-year kolel, a Torah academy. And it was that kolel that would define what the Am Yisrael would be forever. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says like this, Ein sarid ela talmid chocham, that the word sarid, left over, or the one who remains, refers to a talmid chocham. Now that's a puzzle. Why is a Talmud Chacham called a leftover? He's not the leftover. He's the main dish after all. There are various peshatim to this. But the simplest pshat is that originally the whole Kali Yisrael were Chachamim. The entire Dor Hamidbar was a big koilel of Talmudei Chachamim. And therefore, anyone who studies the Torah today is a leftover from those days in the Midbar. Because it was then that the Am Yisrael in its entirety recognized the truth that the goal of every Jew is to be a Talmud Chocham. And from then on, the study of Torah became the national vocation and pastime. Never did the Am Yisrael in all its subsequent history ever use their leisure time for anything else but Torah. There was no telling stories of adventure and war and no playing sports. There were no theaters or stadiums and no amusement parks either. We found everything we wanted and everything we needed in the study of Torah and in the raising of families to be Ohavei Toida. The word entertainment doesn't exist in the lexicon of our people. And that's what Rav Sadia Gaon meant when he said in Sefer Amunas Videas, Ein umatenu uma elabatoida, that we are a nation only. As a Torah nation, it means the following. We have no right to exist. We should have long ago disappeared. Where is Edom? They disappeared. Where is Ammon? They disappeared too. It's all gone. Where is ancient Mitzrayim? All gone. Ancient Greece is all gone. Everything is underground. You're going to need a lot of shovels. And you'll have to sweat a lot before you can see all the ancient nations of the world. So why are we still here? We're also one of the ancient nations. So why didn't we also disappear along with all the others? And the answer is that we are only here because of the Torah. We are a Torah nation, and that's the cause of our existence. It's the study of the Torah that defines the Am Yisroel. It's our life breath, our way of life. We are a nation of Torah learners, and that's why... We are here forever. Hashem is forever. His Torah is forever. And we who study His Torah will be forever. You know that in Bavel, there were great mesiftas, great yeshivas, where the Chachamim gathered to study and to teach. There was a mesifta in Surah where Rav was. 
And there was another Mesifta in Nahardea, where Shmuel lived. Two big Mesiftas that were the center of the Am Yisroel. And there were other Mesiftas too that functioned in Babel. But the Mesifta wasn't a place where you just learned Torah and heard Shiurim. It was a very interesting experience, the Mesifta. Everything was done with a the procedure. They used to march into the base Medrash at the beginning of the session. The Chachamim marched in first. And then the Talmidim marched in behind them. And everyone took his place. Each one of the Chachamim had his particular place. And there were designated people who would make the announcement. The Chachamim are coming in now. They're entering into the Mesifta. It was Mamish, like a pageant. That's how they opened up the Mesifta. And not only in the beginning of the Zman. Every day was like that. It was done with a certain panoply. Like in a royal tribunal, with certain procedures, formalities, and announcements. Like in the Congress Lahavdil, or in a king's palace, it was done with the greatest kind of ceremony. And we should ask ourselves, what was this for? Why all the fanfare? Why couldn't they just get busy with learning already? Isn't that what they came for? It wasn't the State of the Union address after all. It was a yeshiva. And they didn't do this once a year. It was every day. And the answer is that this pomp and the ceremony was vital for the understanding of the place of the Torah in the Am Yisroel. In the Midbar, where they all saw the Mishkan, and they all knew that hidden inside in the room that Hashem chose to reside in was the Luchos and the Torah. So the entire nation lived with a tangible understanding that it was the study of the Torah that was the core function of our people. Everybody was learning in Kolel, and there was no question in anyone's mind that Limud HaTorah was the function of our people. But in order to keep that fire of Kavodat alive forever, and to understand the centrality of the Torah to our nation, the nation had to see with their own eyes the glory of Torah. And so the Mesifta functioned with the prominence that it deserved. And the Am Yisrael learned that the aristocracy of our people were the ones who were studying the Torah's Hashem in the base Medrash. In Bavel, they also established the Yarche Kala together with the Mesifta. Twice a year, there was a Yarche Kala, a Kiddush Hashem of remarkable proportions. You know, they were almost all farmers in Bavel. So when the farming season was over, two months a year, tens of thousands of people came to the Mesifta. The town was overflowing with Jews. They slept on the streets, on the roofs, and in cellars, and they were learning all the time. The entire month, they were learning Torah, and the Chachmei Torah were there to test them, to see if they knew it. Everybody was learning the same thing. It was a scene to behold. They were all learning the same Mesechta, and the Chachamim fahared them. And it wasn't little children that we're talking about. These were adults, men in their 40s and 50s, Older than that, too. Men with families. From where did this fire of dedication to Toyota come? How could a nation of so many different personalities, workers, wise men, simple folk, intellectuals, rich and poor alike, all humbly submit themselves before the Chachmei Toyota? And the answer is that it wasn't something that began in Bavel. It was already engraved on our souls from the Dor Hamidbar. The same way the Dor HaMidbar submitted themselves before Moshe Rabbeinu, the Am Yisrael continued that practice 
Always. And therefore, there was always a tremendous outpouring of Torah learning, a tremendous demonstration that Torah is everything for the Am Yisrael. We are always a nation of Torah learners. Once upon a time, Jewish men didn't stay home at night. They weren't at the movies either. They were in the study halls, in the shuls. When fathers and sons would return home at night from the base medrash, they would bring all their baggage of Torah with them. Mothers and sisters would hear nothing but Torah. And therefore, the Jewish street used to be a street of Torah. Even a certain writer, an enemy of the Torah, I won't honor him by saying his name here, when describing Krakow in the times of the Ramah, he said that the children in the street babbled Torah. And the truth is that it wasn't only Krakow. That's how it was in every Jewish community. Every town was a yeshiva town. I remember when I was a little boy in Baltimore, when the new immigrants arrived, they used to laugh when they saw that the shuls were locked during the day. Locked. Aren't there people learning all day in the shuls? And it wasn't the Talmudic Chachamim who laughed. It was the peddler, the poor working man trying to eke out a living. It was something impossible to them. Because in Europe, even a hundred years ago, they were still emulating the Dor Hamidbar and still learning the lessons of the Mishkan. Some were there all day. Some would come in for an hour here and there. But to close the shul. When I was in Lithuania, I once visited a shul in a small town. And an old Malamid, a remnant from the old generation, said to me, Before World War I, there was a time when if you came a little bit late to this shul on Thursday night, you couldn't find a seat. It was filled with people learning late into the night. Every night... The shul was filled with people learning. In Slobodka, a bacher whom I learned with Bechavrusa once told me that in Beers, his hometown in Lithuania, there used to be a chevra mishmorim. This was a group of people who were peddlers all week. It was their bitter lot in life to put a pack of merchandise on their backs and trudge through the Gentile hamlets and villages to peddle merchandise among non-Jews. Now in those days, a Jew still looked like a Jew, so the Gentiles would set their dogs on the Jews as they passed through the town. It was a hard life, a wearisome week of work. And where did they go when they finally returned home? They gathered in the shul in Beers, where they would spend all Thursday night learning to make up for the time they missed during the week. That was the Chevra Mishmorim. And as a young man in New York, I saw echoes of those great days. I once tried spending the whole night learning in the Hasidic Shtibel on the Lower East Side on Montgomery Street. I tried staying awake, but I kept dozing over the Gemara. But I couldn't sleep anyhow because the Polish Hasidim started coming in while it was still dark. They put on their gartels, took down their Gemaras, and started learning before the morning came. Early in the morning... When it was still dark, the shtibel was packed with Jews sitting and learning. And in the Gerer shtibel, I used to watch a Litvisha Jew standing and learning Mishnayos by heart all night. Once in a while, he would look into an open Mishnah to refresh his memory. That's a remnant of the older generation. Once upon a time, the Jewish nation studied Torah. There are two Pesukim in Mishlei. One says, Kol lo yishvu ba. All of the things that you desire cannot equal to the Torah. 
Mishlei. All the things that people love in this world. People love wealth. They love honor. They love food and all types of pleasure. It's nothing compared to the Torah. Everybody desires things in this world. All good things, health and happiness. Nachas. Long years and wealth. But nothing compares to one word of the Torah. But there's another pasuk. V'chol chafatzim lo yishvuba. Here it doesn't say chafatzecha, your desires. It says chafetzim, all desirable things. Even the things that Hashem desires. Lo yishvuba cannot compare to the Torah. What does that mean? It means that even all the mitzvahs of the Torah cannot compare to the mitzvah of studying Torah. Moed katan. Of course, if you have to do a mitzvah, and there's no one else who can do it, you have to stop learning and do the mitzvah. But the mitzvahs of the Torah are not as great of a privilege as the one mitzvah of studying Torah. Kol chafatzecha. All the things that you consider important. V'chol chefsei shamayim. And even all the things that Hashem considers important. All the mitzvahs. Einam shavim ledavar echad min They don't equal one thing of the Torah. One line of Torah is more important than all the mitzvahs put together. How can that be? It's astonishing. All the mitzvahs together, the tefillin and mezuzahs and tzitzis and matzah and korban pesach, all the obligations of the Torah cannot compare to one thing of the Torah. You sit down. Open a Gemara and learn one line. It's such a tremendous happiness, such a great achievement, that it eclipses, it far outdoes all the good things together. If you can open the Gemara for one line, you should know what you're doing for yourself in this world. I'm not saying you're a Talmud Chacham already. That takes work after all. But you're already joining the aristocracy of the Am Yisrael. You're emulating the upper class, the elite of our nation. You're becoming a Torah Jew because that's the function of a Jew in this world. You know, it has become the style to travel today. People are busy traveling, going, doing, visiting, and there's no time left for the most important function of our lives. Even in Eretz Yisrael, people are traveling back and forth, back and forth. For what? Who needs you there? What is the purpose of Eretz Yisrael? It's only for you to make something out of yourself. You're going to give up learning even one line of Gemara for travel? If you want to go to the Kosal Maravi, then you should know that the Shas Bavli is your Kosal Maravi. Make the Sephardim shrank with the Shas Bavli in it. Your Kosal Maravi. That's your success. The success of life is transferring the contents of the shas into your mind. So stand in front of that big shas on the shelves and make that your kosel amaravi. You want to give that up to travel thousands of miles to Eretz Yisrael? If you want to, you can put kvitlach, prayer notes, in between the gemaras on your shelf and pray to Hashem for success in becoming a shas yid. The shas is our everything. That's why the Luchas were the centerpiece of the Mishkan, because that's everything. Since the Chorban Beis Amigdash, when the Kodesh Kadoshim and the Luchas went lost, there's nothing more important to HaKadosh Baruch Hu than the place where Torah is studied. Gemara Brachas. There's nothing in the world more Kadosh, more special to HaKadosh Baruch Hu than the study of His Torah. You must have Sephardim in your home, and they should be your pride. 
It's very important. Even if you don't have the competition of a television set, nevertheless, if you live within the four walls without those important companions that every Jew must have, then you're not going to utilize your life. Every young couple that begins to feather its nest after marriage should have an ambition to line the walls of their home with bookshelves of Sephorim. That should be your dream house. If your wife wants drapes, okay, nothing wrong with drapes. You can buy her drapes at the five and ten do. Explain to her. First, you'll have to explain it to yourself. The beauty of a home where the walls are covered with shelves of Sephorim. And even if you'll dip into the safer, only once in your lifetime, you bought the safer and it cost you sometimes $20 and you used it only once. It was worth it. It was a bargain. Sometimes you get a lift. You can get some inspiration, even from one line, and there's no price you could put on it. So in case your wife tells you, look, Chaim, you used this safer only once, or maybe you never even used it yet. So why did we spend so much money on the Sephorim? So tell her, Hanela, wait, if I'll ever look into it once, it's going to be worth everything that we paid for it. And the truth is that even if you never looked inside, it was worth it. Because just to have Sephorim lining the walls of your house, it's a demonstration of where your heart is. It should be the showcase of pride in your home. I always say that even if you're never going to open it, it's worth all the money in the world to have a big shas. Buy the biggest one you could find and display it in your home. The shas, the Sephorim, should be placed in the most prominent place in the home. When you walk into a Jewish home, it shouldn't be the chandelier or the curtains that you see. It should be a big shas. Shelves and shelves of sephorim should be showcased in your living room. The sephorim shrank. That's the glory of our nation. That's what makes your house into a mishkan. And if the loyal Jewish home with sephorim lined shelves is the mishkan, then the base medrash, the yeshiva, is the Kodesh kadoshim. The atmosphere in the base medrash is mamish kodesh kadoshim. I can tell you, I've been in the atmosphere for so many years. It has an effect on you. No matter how good you are, you become improved by breathing that air. You have to realize that tehilato bikal chasidim, the praise of Hashem, is when there is a great number of chasidim coming together to him. Just that alone, when the chasidim come together as a kahal, that itself is Tehillah's Hashem. What are they all gathering in the base Medrash for? They're all there for the purpose of demonstrating that learning Torah is important. Every day the base Medrash is full of demonstrators. Some are demonstrating by learning Gemara. Some are demonstrating by learning Mishnayis. Some are demonstrating by just sitting there. But they are all demonstrating that learning Torah is the foundation of the Am Yisroel. Do you realize what that demonstration means. Walk out on the street, and what do you see? Even a from street. Money is important. Food is important. Clothing is important. Who knows what else is important? So the base medrash is mamish, a noach's teva, especially today. Boys get married when they're young, 20 maybe, 21, 22. You can't go out into the world yet. A boy of 22 is very raw material. He's not capable of dealing with the world. He has to be in the kolel for some time. For years and years. 
Even if he's not so serious about learning, it's the best place for him to be. Limud HaTorah is our salvation. A yeshiva man who leaves the kolel and he begins a life of productivity in Gashmias must make sure that he remains dedicated to Torah learning as well. A man like this, he can't afford the luxury of wasting all those odd hours. A yeshiva man, whether he's still in the yeshiva or not, has to get up Shabbos morning early to learn. He has to spend Shabbos studying. Shabbos night, he can't go out to Malava Malkas with the family. He can't visit Uncle Yoisi on Sundays. He can't go to every wedding. He can't stay late at the ones he goes to. I recall once, it was a Malava Malka in the old building. And I said over from the Rambam, Hilchas Talmud Torah, is kot bikitra shel Torah. Anybody who wants to earn the crown of Torah, al yabed achat milelotav. He shouldn't waste even one of his nights. You have to work by day. What could you do already? But you shouldn't waste even one of your nights. You hear that? The Rambam says that you shouldn't even waste one of your nights. And there was a man who was sitting there and he heard that. I saw that it went into his ears and he changed his way of life. He became great subsequently. He was a working man and he became great in Torah. I remember once his wife had to attend a wedding in the Riverside Plaza uptown. But that night was a shiur. So he took his wife by car to Riverside Plaza and left her there and he came back here to attend the shiur. Then he went all the way back to the hall to bring her home. Now that's dedication. And so... If you won't waste any of your nights, you'll be able to remain a yeshiva man forever. Forget about going to weddings. Forget about family parties. Now you're wedded to the Torah. Now, of course, some women will say, what kind of life is that? What kind of life is a kolel life? My husband is a businessman, not a kolel man. I'll tell you, it's a dedicated life. It's a life dedicated to success. If you want to be a nothing, so you do what everybody else does, and you'll succeed in becoming what you want to become. Nothing. But if you have some idealism, if the fire still burns in you, then this is the career of success for you in this world. Now you'll ask me about the woman. How do women do that? Women encourage their husbands to learn Torah. They say, Chaim, go to the shir. Chaim, go to the yeshiva. They encourage them to go. So they have full partnership in all the Torah of their men. And that's going to be their great happiness. That's what the Jewish nation once did. In Europe of long ago, every shul used to be a place where people sat and learned. Some men worked part of the day, but others were forced by their wives to go and learn all day long. Their wives ran little businesses. They managed the family and their husbands were expected to do nothing but learn for their entire lives. In Europe, before World War I, there were a lot of Jews who moved into the shul in the morning and they didn't move out until late at night. There was a whole population like that all over Eastern Europe. It stopped with World War I. It began to disintegrate little by little. But way back throughout our history, all the shuls had a big populace of learners. Many men were driven away to the shuls by their wives. These dedicated women, the Noshim Sidkonius, said, don't work, you sit and learn, and I'll take care of the Parnassa. All over Eastern Europe, it was a frequent thing. Even when I came to Europe in 1932, when it was already ruined, I saw it. 
the wife stood in the store and her husband sat in the base medrash. The Zichron Yaakov tells us that when Friday night came, this was before the people spoiled. So all the townspeople slept until around Chatzos. Then they started getting up to study Torah. He even describes how there were a lot of Jews who weren't capable of studying Torah. So a, a paid Rebbe would come to their homes late Friday night or early Shabbos morning. A man would learn with his Rebbe while his wife was still in bed behind the curtain and she was shepping nachas from her husband's learning. To take the little money that they had and use it for learning was a great sacrifice that the wife made. But she was encouraging him and was happy with what he was doing. And therefore, if the wife cooperates and she doesn't demand the husband's presence at home, if she understands it's her success as well, that it's her partnership, that woman is from the Nashim Sitkonius that always preserved our nation. And the fact that he is making progress, that he's forging ahead in learning, that's her zchus. She is a full partner in all of his Torah. Not a 50% partner, a 100% partner. And not only is she learning Shas along with him, but she's raising Shasim at home too. Every child that a mother raises is like finishing Shas many times. So she's at home learning her Shas. And she's encouraging him to finish his Shas in the base Medrash. And with such a great partner in life, he can forge ahead. As long as he's not lazy and he's willing to carry the brunt of a career of study. And that's what the Jewish nation once did. And that's an ideal which many people are beginning to realize today. Right now in Gan Eden, all the men and women are enjoying the great splendor of eternal happiness because of their portion in Torah, in addition to all the good things that they do. You're all invited to go to Olam Haba. All those who pass away, even the Pashto Yehudi, is basking in happiness in the world to come. But those people who spend some time learning Torah are far, far more privileged beyond all the rest of them. So here's a man who asks me, how could someone even begin to learn when there's so much to learn? It looks so impossible. But you have to know that those are the words of the Yetzirah talking. When it comes to making money, you don't say, why should I bother to start making money when there's so much money to make? No, you don't say that. You start selling peanuts on the street corner. You hustle. You try to get whatever you can. And little by little, you accomplish. Start hustling. Learn one line of Gemara. You mean to say that you're going to leave this world and you won't be able to say that you learned one line of Gemara? You can't learn one line. Are you such a dumbhead? Ask somebody to help you. Say it over inside. Ten times. Fifty times. Now the truth is, you could learn more than one line. If you would learn one line a week, you know that in 10 years, you'd know something. One line a week. And you'd review it constantly. One line a week. Who couldn't do that? And so, there won't be any excuse to give on that great day when the question will be asked, Did you engage in the study of my toida? Everybody must study the Gemara. And it's not hard. It's difficult to learn a lot of Gemara, the whole Shas. But one line, you can't learn one line. In Shamayim, they'll ask you, who was Rav Huna? Rav Huna, I think he lived in our neighborhood.
There are people like that. They think that Rav Huna was maybe the Rav of the other shul in their neighborhood. No. We have to recognize our Tanaim and Amoraim. Not just recognize them, but to love the names in the Gemara. You should love the sound of Abaya and Rava, of Rav Papa, and Rav Huna, Brei, Dirav, Yoshua, all of our great men. Love their names. The taste of their names should be on our tongues, sweeter than honey, because that is the honey of the Am Yisroel. And therefore, we are not impressed by the fact that there's so much to learn. Certainly we are impressed, but we aren't overwhelmed. It says, Lo alecha hamlacha ligmor. It's not your job to learn the whole shas. If you can, learn it, but at least learn a piece of it. You mean to say that you're going to leave here and you'll forget about what you heard here? About the great ideals of Torah learning? You're not going to learn Gemara because it's so much, so vast of a wisdom. No, you have to learn at least one line and make it your business to repeat that line again and again and again. Now, once a person understands these ideas, so the way he looks at the Am Yisrael is now transformed. Because now he understands who really the aristocrats of the Am Yisrael are. And so when you see a yeshiva man, a Talmud Chacham, you know that he is the one who is closest to the Kodesh Kadoshim. He's closer to a Kodesh Baruch Hu than anyone else. And you admire him. You are impressed by him. That's what the Gemara says. Atidin bachure Yisrael shiyitnu reyach tov kalevonon. The young men of Yisrael will in the future emit a fragrance like the forest of Lebanon. The time will come when the young Talmidei Chachamim, the yeshiva men who spend their days and nights learning, will issue a sweet fragrance like the cedar trees of the Lebanon. It means that one day the world will recognize the truth. The whole world will learn to look through the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And everyone will see that it is the Torah learners who smell pleasant, that they are the ones who give off the sweetest of fragrances in this world. But we are expected to recognize that truth, even today, when you see a yeshiva man, you should imagine that he smells like sweet-smelling roses. Let's say you see a group of yeshiva boys walking in the street. Now, there is nothing especially attractive about them. They're all wearing the same uniform, white shirts and black pants, nothing special. So what about it? What's so important? But if you understand this lesson of Parshas Pekudei, you understand that these yeshiva men are the aristocrats of our nation. Because it was in the Midbar that the Am Yisrael learned that our nation is only a Torah nation. That's the lifeblood of our people. It's what we are. Ein umatenu, uma elabatoida. Our nation is a nation only because of the Torah. And it's those who keep pumping the blood of Torah through the veins of our nation who are keeping us alive. And therefore, it's the Torah learners who are the aristocrats of our nation, the ones who we admire and emulate. Once you understand this, you have gained a new perspective on the Am Yisrael. And you've learned to see our nation the way Hashem sees them. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Joining the Torah nation. The centerpiece of the Mishkan was the Torah. Our nation is only a nation by means of the Torah. 
This week, once a day, I will bully Neder, stand near my Sephardim shrank, as if I'm standing at the Kosel, and reflect on the fact that I am a member of the Torah nation. I will beg Hashem for the merit of acquiring more and more Torah knowledge, and think of ways to achieve that.